We are here for one purpose, to discuss two topics vital to our citizens, life and death. Since Hurricane Maria eight months ago, our lives seem to have pivoted between the two. As a nation, we have taken strides to come out of the shadows thriving. We have rebuilt homes with our bare hands. We have reconstructed the roads that united us. And we have raised the bridges that collapsed. Some of you are so skilled and determined that you patch your original electric grid to provide power for your family and your neighbors. That fighting spirit in you is how you know that at the end of this reconstruction race, it is life and not death that will accompany you to the finish line. Along that race, a heavy burden weighs on us. How will I pay for food? Will my children receive a quality education? Will the island move on? And if it does, will it move along with me? Because I might make it to the other side alive, employed and healthy, but I might not be in Puerto Rico. I could be enjoying prosperity under a different sun. Almost 200,000 of our fellow Puerto Ricans have migrated to the mainland. Those are your thoughts, I know. At times, it seems like no matter how close you are to life, death, it's always nipping at your heels. And that is no way to live. Nobody wants to talk about death. Death scares us. To many of us, death equals defeat. And because we are fighters, we don't want to fail. Because we're fighters, we don't want to fear. We don't want to talk about death. I don't either. But it's time we do. So let's talk about death. Many died after September 20th, 2017. No doubt. A father, a friend, a cousin, a distant relative, a neighbor. The weight of Hurricane Maria's winds proved too strong for some to bear. And it pained me to see how many of you waved goodbye to so many fellow Boricuas. Others died after the storm was just a memory. Lack of medical care, existing health problems, and yes, mental health trauma took the lives of many Puerto Ricans. The official tally indicated a much different number of the dead than the one calculated by the New England Journal of Medicine. At that time, we estimated 64 deaths. But that was then. The number was praised by some and contested by others. The Harvard numbers rose to 4,645. 4,645 Puerto Ricans. That is not something to be taken lightly. As a scholar, I believe in the reliability of data. Data is reliable because it brings information from many sources. If new data shows that we have erred, we will accept that data and we will acknowledge our mistake. Welcome to Catatonia, a cultural podcast about Puerto Rico, trauma, and unscrewing ourselves at a post-hurricane shock. My name is Huascar Robles, Recording from Harlem, New York.
Welcome to another episode of Catatonia. Thank you very much for listening for the last couple of months that I've been working on this podcast. Um, as I've said before, recording this, it's always difficult. I'm not trying to discuss topics that are easy to discuss. These are topics that are that weigh heavily on us. And... Um, this is where we are. This is what we need to do. I. This episode is called the Death Discourse. After the New England Journal of Medicine released the new numbers of the people that the estimate died after the after the hurricane, I th- thought of the discourse that comes behind such a traumatic memory. I listened to what Governor Ricardo Rosselló said, what the Director of Public Safety said, Hector Pesquera, and I thought of words and discourse and comfort, and I saw how those three weren't really connected, and I figured how to, how can poetry, how can discourse, how can numbers and data can help move a nation forward after such a, such traumatic news. Clearly we already knew this and before I talk about this, I just want to take a little bit of a moment to, to talk about, you know, housekeeping and things that have been happening in my life. So my mom went back to Puerto Rico. I know that I've talked about how she comes back and forth. I think she's she's now uh, going to be in Puerto Rico um, more permanently. I will probably ask her to come for the hurricane season, but she's officially at her house. She has uh, she cleaned the house. Today she moved in, and um, I gotta say everything's ever since she left. Um, it's been um, it's been tough um, not coming home to an empty apartment. But I'm happy that she's she's taking control. She's taking agency over her life, and I have trust that this is gonna work out. Um, I know that like me, a lot of you have uh, this kind of relationship with your parents and with the loved ones after the um, after the hurricane. And I can only hope that all of us can move forward and all of us can trust our decisions after this um, this incident. I would like to um, talk about uh, back to the, the death discourse and talking to a traumatized nation with numbers and data when we come back. So let's talk about death. Let's talk about the death discourse. Let's talk about how we address this very sordid topic to a traumatized nation. Um, I would like to look very briefly at the chronology, how things came to be before the Harvard study, right? Uh, that that came out a couple of weeks. We actually, obviously, address the topic of how many. Puerto Ricans died after the year, after the hurricane, and the, uh, the government's um, official figure was 64. This is back 
in October of last year, I believe. And this was a number that was contested immediately by many sources. Clearly, uh, one of the media sources that contested it was uh, the New York Times. New York Times goes to Puerto Rico in 2000, in February 2018, uh, Probably before that, but the the article and the podcast that that associated with the with this topic came out in February two thousand eighteen, and there's a reporter, a fantastic reporter based in Miami, Frances Robles, who goes to Puerto Rico to investigate this very topic. She goes to ICUs, nursing homes, hospitals, and on the ground she intakes from the people that yes that this patients and the parents of people that died or the relatives of people that died agree that that number is too too low the 64 number is too low but of course the actual source that uh, the government it's 64 so at a press conferences uh, she and other journalists addressed this and this is what happens at this at this press conference the number of dead in Puerto Rico on, a, on an average before September 20th, the date of the hurricane, was 82 a day. So 82 folks died a day on average in Puerto Rico before the hurricane. After the hurricane, 117 people died. And of course, media ask, why is this not being investigated? And it wasn't. The government didn't see it as a reason enough to investigate. The New York Times investigates and it finds out that 42 days after the hurricane, close to 1,000 Puerto Ricans died of many causes after the hurricane, like sepsis, poor conditions at nursing homes, diabetes, all the physical conditions that would lead to death after a situation like that. And what the reporter, Francis Robles, and... Michael Barbaro uh, conclude is not just the lack of information about that, but why would that happen? Why would any administration would give such a small number or simply not investigate whether or not more people died? And what they conclude is that Puerto Rico wanting to be part of the United States would not would would not benefit from providing such information. In other words, being a place that looks like death and destruction with so many people dead would not be something attractive to the Union. That, of course, is their conclusion. And fast forward to May and the beginning of June where this discussion of the, the Harvard study, clearly people want to know so why, again, why is the number that, that, that small, 64? And um, Puerto Rican media and American, well, United States media both um, have press conferences or interviews with, with um, Governor Rosello and with uh, the um, director of uh, Department of um, uh, Public Health and again, ask why aren't 
the numbers being uh, provided. Anderson Cooper asked Rosselló why was the government withholding the numbers and Rosselló stated that he had sent an executive order to release the numbers. Clearly, after this information is out in the world, social media explodes and many sources start revealing how the Department of Health had indeed um, withhold the numbers and Latino USA as well as the Center for Investigative Journalism pointed out that the government had been sued, had been asked to provide the number of dead that died after the hurricane. What media pointed out very accurately is that the reason why we're trying to find out because the number of that reveals the preparedness that Puerto Rico had before the hurricane and the preparedness that it might have for the next hurricane season which is right around the corner. So this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this course. When the Harvard report comes out, the reporters try to get information from the government, from the administration, and the answer that the Puerto Rican people got was very similar all the time. This is what we know, these are the numbers. We know what we're talking about. And to me, this is a very clinical response. It's a typical answer a doctor may, might give to a petulant patient. I come from a, from a family uh, in which you know, my dad is a doctor. My dad, thankfully, was a very compassionate doctor who helped a lot of people, uh, often not charging for services. My dad went to treat patients who were suffering from um, AIDS in the 80s in New York uh, with acupuncture. And is, an, is a great example of how the medical profession can help and heal. But I've also seen in my own experience as a patient through several conditions that I had to endure, how doctors can often be so clinical and so crude that you often feel like you're just a number. And this is exactly the way that the Puerto Rican people were treated. Oh, this is, then these are the numbers, this is what we know. And that kind of clinical response was incorrect to a, to a traumatized nation. What it lacked was, was compassion. In Puerto Rico, to me, it seems like there's always two stories, that the stories are vibrocated. What happens and what people believe happens. On the books, we were told that we were a proud nation of Taino, African, and Spanish races with a strong cultural legacy. That no matter what happens, at least we have Ricky Martin and we have Despacito. In reality, it is our colonial relationship to the U.S. that put us where we are right now. And to me, that's why numbers are so important, because we have been dancing through trauma, not looking at the death beneath us, not looking at the numbers, the reality. I sincerely hope that other uh, sources, the multitude of voices, come to discuss what's happening on the island to help us really assess what the real problem is how to address it and how to avoid it. We are months away from the next hurricane season and it's important that we start really looking at what are we gonna do? 
I'd like to uh, thank uh, again uh, the uh, podcast review. They have been so supportive of the podcast. It's really motivated me to continue doing it. Um, I want to be part of the voices that talk about what's happening on the island, but here in New York, here in Harlem, and United States to continue generating awareness for what's happening on the island. Um, I want to thank um, my collaborators, Ilian Perez and Joaquin Cardoso, Adrian Bridges for the music. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.